Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today, we're going to have a conversation about predatory behavior and what's going on behind the scenes when someone gets exploited. Thanks so much for tuning in. So it's a bit of a tougher topic to talk about today, and I guess I count myself somewhat fortunate that I'm a heavy intellectual, so I'll try to stay pretty cognitive throughout this, but there is some emotional underpinnings here that my own wounds will show up as well as kind of the stories of so many that I've walked with. I carry them and I hold them and I'm acutely aware of what this topic means in many of their lives. And so if I, you know, do get to a more of an emotional space, I think the topic warrants it, frankly. I think it's okay to go there. It's okay to talk about my discomfort with it because it's really just such a such a tragic thing when someone gets exploited. And so I want to talk through a little bit of sexual trauma and not just, you know, when we think of sexual trauma, often we think of rape, but I'm going to talk about uh, groping, molestation, coercion, um, milder forms of assault, flat out rape. All of these are sexualization of someone. And all of these are going to disallow someone being seen in body, mind, and spirit. And all of those forms of intrusion are going to take a body and separate it from some of its core contributions. And it's going to focus solely on consuming a body or on exploiting a body or taking a body. And I want to talk to, you know, frankly, everyone. But I guess my goal is to talk to those who are predators. And my my goal is to maybe lend some understanding. I believe that when we know better, we can do better. And so I guess I want to impart some of my understanding about what sexual trauma does to a victim. And unfortunately, I understand that when some people hear this and they do engage in predatory behavior, it's actually going to bring them some smug, sick satisfaction. And and that's so frustrating and that I grieve that. But just because there are some who might contort this into more of a an attaboy or a way to go, I, I'm not going to not say it because perhaps someone might hear this, someone who struggles with more of a predatory inclination, and perhaps they can understand just what they're engaging, and maybe it can stymie some of the impulses, and maybe it can really prompt them towards seeking out their own resources and their own help. Because the reality is many predators are actually people that have been preyed upon at some point in their story, and the powerlessness and the hopelessness that they experienced, they've now overcompensated and decided instead of seeking healing and getting help, they're going to become the perpetrator. And at a, at a logical level, it makes sense. Now, at a heart level and at an emotional level and at a spiritual level, it's obviously incredibly destructive. But cognitively, it makes sense that someone who experienced powerlessness is going to overcompensate by engaging in control. And so for those of you that struggle and for those of you that maybe have been exploited and now you're kind of recycling the pattern and you're going out and exploiting other people, you're my audience today because I do believe that when we know better, we can do better. And so I'm going to come to you as someone who has gone through many of the types of exploitation that I referenced just a few moments ago. Now, I I will be very upfront in my story. Rape is not one of the topics that come up. And I grew up in a context where when we thought of sexual assault or sexual intrusion, 
it was tied very closely to rape. And so as a survivor of many different pieces, such as groping and molestation and coercion and assault, as someone who has gone through those pieces, I usually felt like my story was less valid because rape had not actually happened. Except I've walked in a highly traumatized state for about the past three decades because of things like groping and molestation and assault. And so for those of you that maybe are listening and you're like, wait, I I wasn't raped, so it shouldn't have had an effect on me. I want to give you some understanding or help lend some understanding just how much it does affect us. And I do want to also extend that same understanding to those who engage in predatory behavior. This is what you're doing. One of the phrases I really liked that I heard um, probably the broadside of about six months ago, and it landed with this this resounding thud in my chest. It said something to the effect of someone who experiences trauma at an early age is basically an old soul with a childlike disorientation to the world. And I feel that I have wisdom pouring out of every pore in my body. I can engage with heavy academics, heavy intellects. I can engage with those who are humorous. I can engage with those who are you know, diverse in their topic selections, I can engage with most anyone. Yet I'm so disoriented when it comes to simple things like how to be safe, how to feel okay, how to build relationships, how to trust people. So I have wisdom and I'm able to walk with people through really hard things, yet I'm really clueless in a a profound amount of ways because I was stuck in survival mode for so long that some basic skills just aren't there for me. I joke with my students often, my body spatial awareness is absolute trash. My social awareness, so terrible, just terrible. If you see me out in public, there's a very good chance that I'm I'm aversive, I'm affronting, I'm just clunky and awkward. That's, that's just who I am because those basic skills weren't cultivated because I was focused on staying safe. So I really like that juxtaposition of I'm an old soul with a childlike disorganization or disorientation to the world. When When someone preys upon us, and this is also to predators, when you prey upon someone, there is a high cost. You are not just stealing something from them in the moment. You are creating a dichotomy where their life will literally never be the same because there will be a before the event and there will be an after the event and the after has been radically altered. And this is especially true in the story of someone who doesn't have resources or adults to walk with them through a trauma. Someone who's been exploited and then shuts down afterwards because they assume it was their fault, or more egregiously because a predator tells them that it's their fault. But here are some of the ways that it shows up. First, you've stripped away feelings of safety. You've taken away abilities to trust. You've disallowed them from having discernment because at one point it seemed okay to get close to you and you seemed like you might be a safe person. At least that's the case in many people's stories. And now they realize you weren't safe. And maybe I don't know how to get close to people, or maybe I've done something wrong here, or maybe this person was led on by me, or whatever it is. There's this discernment piece that gets ruptured. What you're doing is you're creating a new narrative of what love is. And I'm using love in air quotes here because obviously predatory behavior is not love. But when we've been exploited by someone who's close to us and they reassure us that they still love us, suddenly abuse is just discombobulated with love. And now we don't know how to make heads or tails of it because we know that whatever this was was wrong, 
but they say they love me. And so maybe that's what love looks like. Maybe I have to tolerate this type of thing because love looks a certain way. When you sexualize a child, you're doing far more damage to their future than just intruding upon them. You're literally going to be some type of imprint in most any intimate part of their story going forward. They're going to have to tell their partners about you. Or if they don't tell their partners about you, now they've kept secret from the people that are supposed to love them most because of you, because of what you've stolen from them, because of how you've disorganized the world around them, because you've stripped their sense of safety. Think about that before you decide that it's about this moment. It's about this gratification in these few little stolen seconds. It's literally not what it's about. It's about creating a dichotomy of before and after. And you have forever shifted someone's story when you decide to step into it and be a predator. There's going to be women, and I I count myself among them, who are radically aware that certain triggers will never go away. So my, my goal is never to obviously create discomfort for audience members, but sometimes our stories have really big elements of discomfort. And so one of the earlier experiences that I had where I was in fact molested, it was a transactional situation. I had said to someone, hey, could I have some of those jelly beans? And they said, sure. And so I had jelly beans. And then they said, now that I've done that for you, I'm going to need you to come over here and sit by me. I cannot walk by a store candy aisle without seeing jelly beans and being acutely aware of something that happened decades ago. So when we're having Easter dinner and there's always jelly beans on the Easter cake because my mom does this awesome, um, it's like a white cake with coconut and frosting and peeps and jelly beans and all of that, that will never be a family tradition where I experience relief. That is a family tradition where I am acutely aware that that was weaponized against me when I was six years old. That's just the reality of it. A dichotomy was created and now I will never have an innocent exchange with something as simple as jelly beans. That's what predatory behavior does. It taught me that things like sex and things like love and things like molestation are transactional. That if someone gives you something, you're supposed to give something back. That's what love looks like. I didn't get to unlearn that lesson until decades later because I assumed that's what love looked like. I want to talk a little bit about slowly grooming behaviors because I think there are many people who are caught up in things that are uncomfortable, but they're not actually sure what to do with them. If someone is engaging in grooming behavior, at least from my perspective, that's far more nefarious than a a quick breakdown in will and a quick, you know, grope or a quick assault. And, and I don't mean to trivialize that at all, but there is something so nefarious about grooming behaviors where you watch someone you notice their vulnerabilities, you start to lean in closer, you get them to trust you, and then eventually you exploit that. That is, to me, just one of the most egregious things we can do. And that heart posture, now, I don't want to say you're beyond redemption because I don't believe that's true in anyone's story, but if that's your heart posture, I tremble for you. I tremble for the fact that you seek out someone who is ill-equipped, who's naive, who's innocent, and you seek out a way to steal that innocence from them. Just tragic, absolutely tragic. And when we pick out people who are vulnerable and we go after that, there's not much I can say to you outside of, you need serious help, there is help to be had, It is not unredemptive, but it is one of the most nefarious, gut-wrenching things I can think of when someone seeks out intentionally to harm someone who's already vulnerable. Now, on on a much different scale, even 
noticing that someone's in a season of vulnerability and seizing that opportunity, that's a real character flaw from my point of view. And I don't think it's just from my point of view. I think it's just a profound character flaw. So this last summer, as I'm going through divorce and as I'm letting a friend know that I'm kind of just in the bowels of hell, and then he starts talking about his wife's sexual passivity, that is predatory behavior. That is exploiting me at my most vulnerable talking about his sexual dissatisfaction and wondering if he could exploit me or I might lean a little bit closer in. Predatory behavior, and it's disgusting and it's disturbing. And if that's the type of tactic you use, I encourage you to get help because no story is unredemptive. You can absolutely grow and you can absolutely heal and you can absolutely change. But understand what you do when you make those types of behavior choices. You disallow people safety. You disallow them to trust others. You disorient them to the world around them. It's tragic. It's so heartbreaking to think that it's not about those few moments that you're stealing. It's literally the rest of their lives are affected. You will forever be that person who, insert blank, the person who molested, the person who exploited, the person who raped. You will forever be a question mark in our story about how could you and why would you. You're always going to be that person to us. And there's no way to repair the damage. Now, we survivors can go on and heal. We can go on and get stronger. We can go on and learn discernment. We can start practicing trust. We can start to understand safety. But you've impeded that. You've disallowed that from being natural. And now we have to fight harder just to be okay. That's what predators do. One of the things that I walk with many young women is just the idea of giving of yourself sexually anyway. I, I do think, I call me an anti-feminist, call me whatever you want, but there's a real irreverence around sex. And it's, I do not judge your choices on how you proceed. What I do know is that there is an emotional piece to sex that when it's not given due reverence, it can cause a lot of damage and it can cause a lot of pain in our stories. That's what I know. So you're welcome to label me however you want to label me. Casual sex and frequent sex, it does not have health-promoting benefits in our lives if we look at it in its totality. It has real deficits that can show up. But one of the things I say to young women often is I say, if a man is seeking you out and specifically focusing on how you can benefit him with your body, you need to run in the other direction. And one of the analogies I really liked, and I can't think of the author right now, the way he fleshed it out, he said, if a man is going to consume you and then walk away satisfied as though he had just eaten a delicious steak and can walk away without another thought, that is not the type of intersection that you should be having. That is going to have a cost. If we can be consumed in body and they don't have to take mind and they don't have to take spirit, that is an issue. There's so much to our personhood. And when we're reduced to sexuality, it is a misrepresentation of all that we have to offer. And when sexuality is all that someone sees when they look at us, they are not your people. And when someone exploits your sexuality, they are doing such profound damage. I would highly encourage you, if you've been exploited at some point, you're going to have to sit with someone or you're going to have to start to confront that that's a part of your story. And it is so painful. It is, they are tough questions to ask about why would someone do this and how has it affected me and what cost have I paid because of it? If you're someone who engages in predatory behavior, you need to start asking yourself, what happened in my story? 
Why is this okay? And why am I choosing moments of recklessness to forever alter the trajectory of other people's stories? And again, I get it. There are people who would be so gleeful that they've intruded on someone else in that way. And to you, I say best wishes. And I I really hope you have a come to Jesus moment at some point, or it is going to be a hard, hard outcome for you. But for those of you that do engage in predatory behavior and you want to change, you're going to have to be radically honest about what you're doing. You're going to have to pull in accountability. You're going to have to do some of your own healing. And I hope that understanding what is going on with victims, I hope this invites you into a space of understanding that it's not about those few moments. There's no way that what you're choosing to do by exploiting someone, again, whether it's molestation, whether it's coercion, whether it's groping, whatever it is, There's no way it's about just those few moments. It's literally about the rest of your victim's life, and you are choosing such a hard path for them by self-indulgent predatory behaviors. I think that's where we're going to wrap up today. I would highly encourage you, if you need a helper, reach out. There are many of us who do trauma work that can help walk you towards healing, and that's an invitation to both victims and abusers alike. We have to create space to say abusers have hard stories too, but if you continue to abuse, understand that you're the problem. Understand that you can change and you're refusing to, and that's an egregious life choice, and you will forever stymie your life contributions and your life trajectory. I don't care what you do out in this world. You are causing more damage than good, and it is unfortunate, and it will have such a high cost both for you and for your victims. Thanks so much for spending time here with me today, guys. Come back next week for a few new episodes. I appreciate any time you spend with me. Feel free to share, like, follow, whatever that looks like. It is much appreciated. Have a good rest of your day.